Who do you trust? We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is Marvel's Secret Invasion. Hello and welcome back to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And today we have a Dead Drop episode for you about the Disney Plus series Marvel Secret Invasion episode number one. Yeah, so Zach and I were invited to a uh, exclusive screening of the first two episodes at the Spy Museum, um, but by the time of recording, only the first is going to be out for all of our listeners, so we're just going to be covering the first episode, which is titled... Wait, I had it. What was it titled, Zach? Do you have it? It's titled Resurrection. There we are. <laughs> and I did not do any poetry synopses, so here, here's the IMDb summary. Aww, sad. Whatever. <laughs> Nick Fury learns of a clandestine invasion of Earth by Skrulls. All right. Pretty short to the point. So we open in Moscow with Everett Ross, a.k.a. Martin Freeman, uh, who we've seen in Black Panther movies as well as I think he's in Civil War very briefly. Yeah. He was meeting with Agent Prescott, who has got some conspiracy theories about Skrulls. He thinks a bunch of different attacks are all connected and are all actually false flags for the Skrulls. Yeah, and he's kind of like Charlie Day from the meme. Right, yeah. And when when did you think one of them was a scroll? Um, given the nature of the show, pretty much immediately, I was like, all right, oh, which, really? well, one of these guys is a scroll, but which one does it make more sense? Because one is thinking about the scroll attacks, and others not. So, hmm, it might be him, but I'm also not sure. I don't know. Is it, it was a possibility. Hmm. But so Ross tells Prescott that he has no proof, and then Prescott shows him a hologram for what will be the latest attack. Ross says he'll take it to Fury, who is on Saber, which is this space station that Fury has been stationed on. We saw him there at the end of Spider-Man Far, Far From, from home. home. Yeah. Mm. At this point, Prescott tries to kill Ross because he, and then Ross shoots him. Well, Ross before he tries to kill him, Ross yeah. says something like. Okay, I'll take this information to Fury yeah. in a kind of like suspicious way. Yeah. Like that's what made me think something was up, just uh, the way you said it. Gotcha. Yeah, so it didn't totally come out of nowhere, at least yeah. not in my mind. Uh, yeah, but Prescott doesn't change into a scroll when he dies, at least not that we see. So, hmm, suspicious. Mm-hmm. As Ross leaves, he notices a tail. He calls Maria Hill, uh, Kobe Smolders, for extraction. There's a foot chase. Ross is chased to a roof. He tries to jump across to another roof, but doesn't make it. Falls and hits the ground. This is a couple stories up, but he falls right in front of Hill and is barely alive. And the Spy Museum audience was like, ooh, 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 <laughs> when, he hits the, when he hits the ground. Yeah. And we find out that the man who was chasing Ross is actually Talos, uh, a.k.a. Ben Mendelsohn from uh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Was Captain Marvel, yeah. Yeah. And Ross dies in front of them and reveals that he was a Skrull. So apparently Skrulls do have superpowers, but not to the level where they can survive a fall like yeah. that. Yeah. So we get our opening credits. Uh, so there's been a bit of controversy about these credits because they were made by AI. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, the director and the showrunner have come out and said that, you know, it was basically because of the changing nature of it and you know you don't know what's real and what's not is why they just decide to use ai for these credits sure yeah that sounds plausible 
um, they were actually made by a company who's done previous, you know, effects work from from Marvel before, who has come out and said that this, you know, AI didn't actually cost any jobs. What right. is your take on it? I, I mean, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do with it here. It still a little feels a little weird, though. To be I didn't really that. notice, to be honest. So I guess really? it was effective. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I immediately was like, "Oh no, this is AI. This is like, mm-hmm. yeah." But now that you mention it, it does lack that human touch. Well, here's the thing, though, and what, this is what that company whose name escapes me right now claims that they actually, you know, while they started with an AI base, they just used it as a tool, and the effects artists still had to come in and you know provide Clean input and do it. Yeah. So yeah. it, you know, while they it was not entirely, you know, put into, you know, uh, what's that one famous AI? RGPT? Yeah, or, or no. Well, that's for Word, not for like, um, mm. I, I forget what that. it's called. Um, they didn't you know, type a prompt into that and, and say, okay, make this. You know, they actually had to work in a format, but at least that's what they claim. Um, I, I like the idea behind it, maybe not necessarily execution. All right. Anyways, so we open to the middle of the woods. There's a bright beam of light, and we see a hatch open. It's Fury in some sort of escape pod coming back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Hill picks him up and brings him to a safe house. Talos is there. He's got a scroll plant that actually has thrived in Earth. Hmm. We find out that Talos's wife, Soren, has died. Okay, I mean, like, I don't think we ever even met her. We but... did, multiple times. Oh, was that in Head to Marvel? Yes, she. That's the reason why he was going after that ship is because this Cree uh, had his wife and daughter. That was a big motivation for him. Well, I only saw it to Marvel when it first came out. Okay. So. Also, at the end of No Way Home, you remember when Fury? Oh, not No Way Home. Uh, Spider Man Far From Home. When Fury mm. is revealed to be Talos, Maria Hill is revealed to be his wife Soren. So we've met. Oh, okay. Her. All right. Yeah. All right. It, it's actually, it, you know, it's not it just the whole oh, my nowhere. wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fury isn't wearing his eye patch. No, no. So Fury wants to know about someone called Gravik, where Talos wants to talk about him. And, you know, this is the first part, time we hear that Fury seems to have lost a step after the blip. Yes, okay. And apparently even intelligence agencies in the MCU call it the blip. Yeah. Well, I was not happy. Why? I don't know if we've talked about this before. I have no. never liked that they called it the blip. Mm. Never, ever. Okay. So the origin of the term the blip, I don't know if you remember this, is, is... also Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, I remember And that. it comes off as a big joke in the scene where they talk about it, where right. it, it's uh, kids are playing basketball and then suddenly a marching band appears and ha ha ha, <laughs> it's so funny. And it's the classic Marvel complaint that we've all heard a million times that everything serious gets undermined with a joke five seconds later i mean sure yes it's there's that but then you have scenes like in wandavision where you have uh oh what's yes that that was a great scene with um the other captain marvel the other marvel reappearing in the hospital that's a great scene but then i don't know i I understand they can't call it the snap because normal people don't understand why it happened well here's the thing though the snap and the blip are two different things the snap is when everyone disappeared the blip is when everyone came back okay well I know, they gotta call it something. I'm not a professional writer, even though I love rewriting these movies. Mm. I've never liked the term the blip. I don't care enough. Like I mean, <laughs> like it's fine. It is a term. It's the blip. It's what happened. Mm. I that's yeah. We're stuck with it. 
Apparently, yeah. So he disappeared, and so did Captain Marvel. We find out that Talos lost his seat on the Skrull console, and someone named Gravik took his place. Mm-hmm. Now we find out a bit more about Gravik. He apparently plays on the collective rage of young displaced Skrulls. This is sounding uh, familiar at all? Sure. And it was a neat idea. Uh-huh. I really quite liked, and apparently this was in the comic, which I never read, that there's helpful scrolls and unhelpful scrolls, which is say good guy scrolls and bad guy scrolls. Um, I thought that was neat. It's less so. In the, in the Secret Invasion comic, which I did read, um, it is much more really just about, you know, all the scrolls are trying to take, take Earth. So it's not, there's not so much of that. There I are see. a few, but it's not really a focus of that comic. So we find out that the Gravik cell is sort of set up in Russia in an abandoned nuclear power plant. We find out that scrolls are immune to the radiation, so they can just sort of go there. But a lot of these are off the books, so there's really no way of knowing where they are. Hmm. Now, Agent Prescott, from the beginning, had been monitoring plans for a dirty bomb. It's a false flag for a group called AAR, or Americans Against Russia. Yeah, that's just funny considering the whole Russian like status mm-hmm. right now. Yep, and so they're getting materials for the dirty bomb from Kazakhstan. Now, Fury here is seemingly overwhelmed and says he's going to go for a walk. Mm. So we get our next appearance by you know a Marvel cast member with Rhodey here, who yes. seemingly has been promoted to up to you know being a aide for the president. And then Rhodey keeps, I don't want to say failing upward, but... <laughs> he promoted. He, he's well, why would promoted, he, he hasn't yeah. failed at anything other than... He's, yeah. he's Iron Man's sidekick. Well, there is no Iron Man anymore, so he, he is effectively the Iron Man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he reports to the present that uh, Fury has left Saber and that he and Hill have gone AWOL. Yep. So on his walk, Fury gets picked up by a couple of big goons... He's put in a van with a bag over his head and brought to Sonia Fallsworth from MI6. Now, I'm not sure how much you remember from Captain America, the first Avenger. One mm-hmm. of the British guy in the in the Howling Commandos name was Fallsworth. So presumably this is his descendant. Yeah, if it's anyone other than Dum Dum Duke, and I'm not going to remember. Yeah. Well, in the comics, um, Brian Fallsworth is also known as Union Jack. Mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. yeah. So finally, this part made me wake up. I was like, thank goodness something's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and Olivia Coleman actually has has some like energy to what yeah, she's doing. Yeah, she is delightfully, you know, <laughs> demented in sort of how like how mm-hmm. ruthless she is. Yeah. Um, so Fury plants a bug in her office. She gives him some vodka. They're both trying to stop the Skrull Rebellion. This is where we, you know, sort of get more hints that Fury knew Gravik. Mm-hmm. He asks Sonia about the heist in Kazakhstan, and she fl- feigns ignorance. We again get some more talk about how the snap changed Fury, and you know, the old Fury would have never been, you know, taken by these men. Right, but he he also says, "Well, maybe I let you take me." The yeah. idea that Fury is not what he was is a very interesting. I like it because, I mean, you know, I like, I do like Fury in general, you know, but this sort of, you know, man who knows everything is three steps ahead. And then how do you, how do you have him lose or how do you have any sort of stakes? So having him be Mm -hmm. a step behind here and, you know, out of sorts gives it more, you know, yeah, more drama. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a classic superhero problem of if they're so powerful, how do you make it interesting? Mm -hmm. So we go over to 312 kilometers southwest of Moscow, where there's some gates and Russian soldiers are approaching this gate as a man approaches them. He says he wants to be home in his own skin. Um, Amelia Clark approaches and tells him to take his natural form. He's a scroll and she's right. happy. So they open the gates and he is welcome to new Skrullos. We find out that his name is Beto. She gives him some scroll food and he sees the whole compound. There's a bunch of scrolls, 500 scrolls, including children. Mm -hmm. So it's almost more like a refugee camp than some yeah. kind of forward operating base of the takeover of Earth. Yeah, we find out that actually, yeah, not all of them are part of the resistance, but only the warriors get to leave. Mm -hmm. And the warriors keep their human form so they're less likely to be discovered. And uh, Amelia Clark's character goes behind a closed door where she sees some hum humans who are like a row of like these pods that they're all being held in. Mm -hmm. And she sees a new warrior being initiated. He, he takes a human's form and memory. And the one who he takes the form and memory of is actually the leader of the AAR. Hmm. Well, yeah, they say something like, you're going to get what you want. Yeah. So that was funny. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so in the safe house, Fury, Hill, and Talos are listening to Sonya through the bug. She's reporting to her boss. Her boss, I think he's the guy who played uh, Vincent Van Gogh in that uh, yep. Doctor Who episode. Mm -hmm. He's very recognizable looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently Gravik has something big up his sleeve. And, you know, she does know what happened to the bomb materials, obviously, and mm -hmm. has a suspicion about which bomb maker in Moscow they're going to use. Now, Fury wants to go off the to the bomb maker. Talos is hesitant about attacking MI6 agents. And Fury says that Sonya will go scorched earth on anyone involved. So they're going to have to hurt some people, some of from friendlies, basically. Okay, so question now. Yes. Are, are Fury and Hill and Talos, are they part of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or are they just acting independently? They're acting independently. She, okay, come on. You remember, S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone. Effectively. I thought maybe he came back at some point. In the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yes. And then it went away again. Basically. And then it got discontinuity or something? Um, I, I, Branching timeline. Okay. I, there's uh, a certain point where it... it but definitely branches off into its own so, timeline. I, I feel like I should probably just admit it now. I'm one of those Marvel fans that kind of checked out after Endgame. I've seen some of the movies, but mm. not all of them. Okay. And well, not all the shows either. I mean, in terms of where S.H.I.E.L.D. is at at this point, the, yeah, this the, it, it is non-functioning. That's, yeah, Hill is working on her own. Uh -huh. and... So where does he get his all his bugs and stuff? Just his own private I mean, collection? he's still Nick Fury. <laughs> He has his ways. Yeah. I mean, he mm -hmm. was on Sabre, so he presumably has access to any sort of attack up there. Right. Mm -hmm. So Amelia Clark's character is in the canteen. We see Gravik sitting in a corner. Um, we get a report that Fury is in town from his right-hand man. No one besides Fury or him know that, know that he's in town. And Amelia Clark's character is told to go pick up the bombs. She goes for the pickup, and there's a bunch of MI6 agents watching. And Talos mm -hmm. actually takes them out with chloroform or something similar. Mm -hmm. And Fury go in. And, and Fury and him go inside. Now, Amelia Clark gets the bomb materials. And Fury and Talos enter right after she leaves. And they want answers. Right. Hill notices Amelia Clark. Goes after her. 
Fury and Talos are trying to interrogate the bomb maker went and kind of are not getting a lot of traction. So Talos threatens him physically. Yeah, it's what they call an enhanced interrogation. <laughs> Easily just starts beating him up. Well, he tries to, but then the bomb maker is also a scroll and knows who Talos is. Mm. Talos tells Fury to not interfere, but you know Talos is getting you know beat up. So at one point, when it looks like that's dire, Fury shoots the bomb maker and kills him. But Talos is upset because he said, "No, this is my fight. You shouldn't have interfered." Yeah, I don't know. The, the classic, well, I saved your life, yada, yada, yada. Anyway. Well, I think it's more personal for him because, you know, it's, it is his people. Right. And, you know, Taylor and Fury just killed one of his people, even though, you know. Right. It's like the changelings in Odo and Deuce Face 9. Pretty much, actually. That's a good comparison. Thank you. So Hill is in pursuit of Amelia Clark's character and follows her down a subway. They have a brief fight. Very uh, Amelia, brief. <laughs> yeah, Amelia Clark gets away. Which, I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring yeah. this up. She, like, pushes Hill lightly, and then Hill stumbles, and then Amelia Clark's just gone. Like, I understand she's a scroll, but it seems like she escaped very easily. Yeah, I, I was not bothered by it. it. Doesn't Talos pop out here, too? Well, that's where I was right about to get to. So Talos so This was really up. weird. This is really weird. Because he's just with Fury, and then boom. Suddenly, he, how did he like? How did he know she was there? How did he know to be there? I feel like there's like a missing scene. Clearly, if Amelia Clark was able to get there in that time, it's you know, they're not far away, right? But it's like presumably this would be happening while he's fighting the bomb maker. Uh, it's just a kind yeah, of strange edit. Right. That's all. I, I didn't see any problems with it. Okay, because you know, I mean, she does report in and saying I'm chasing after this, so you know, I don't, I don't see an issue with it. All right. Talos pursues, well, finds Hill and pursues uh, Amelia Clark and realizes that it's his daughter, Gaia, who we saw mm-hmm. in Captain Marvel as a young girl. Yeah. And he reveals that her mother is dead and was killed by the very people that Gaia is working for. And that's enough to get her to switch sides. Yeah. Well, she pushes him away and mm-hmm. she gets away. And once she escapes, she's crying in grief because, of her, you know, she realizes right. her mother's dead. Mm-hmm. So Fury enters a bar in Moscow. Everyone stares at him. The bartender like is says no, ignores him and says, no, you have to wait. And an old man in a corner speaks to Fury in Russian and says, you'll never be who you, who you once were. Hmm. And seemingly knows him. The, um, Fury buys him around and it's revealed that, you know, there's an old, his, an old spy contact of him, his basically. Hill is in the back of the bar. They're playing chess. She asks him why... Ah, uh, the classic chess metaphor. <laughs> he apparently had a crisis of faith. And again, you know, she, she's worried that he's not the same man. He used to be three steps ahead of everyone. And um, he hasn't actually contacted her in years. Uh-huh. And he thinks that, or she thinks that he's not ready. Uh, later that night in his bed, we get a flashback to the snap where we see again when he, you know, was snapped away. Uh-huh. Gaia delivers the materials to... Um, Gravik's right-hand man. She tells him that someone was waiting for her and maybe they should postpone the attack. Claims not to know who was waiting for her. Right. But no, they said, nope, we're going ahead and you've just given us the bait. Outside in Moscow, an old woman hails a cab and is taken to a back alley. The cab driver changes to Talos and the old woman changes to Gaia. Mm -hmm. He gives Talos information on the strike 
It'll be the attack will be tomorrow. She's gonna mar- mark the bags, and Talos reports to Furion Hill that you know, guy is back on their side. So why didn't she just give our heroes the stuff rather than giving it to the terrorists? Well, I think at this point, well, here's the question: Is she really on their side on their or side? not? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And also, I think if she did change her mind, you know, it may have taken her some time. Like, I think when she wanted to postpone the attack because they might have known something, that got mm. her suspicions up. Yeah, but then when when did she tag it? Presumably, when? she had to t- tag the bags before she gave it to them. Well, she's well. We'll get to the, that in the next scene. <laughs> so Fury and Talos and hill are all at the location for the strike and they get eyes on gaia so she has the backpacks with her at this point Hmm. so anytime after she got them back she can she can tag them but then why didn't she just take it directly to our heroes she probably had people watching and we do see that she has people watching here Uh uh-huh so the idea is like you're protecting her cover yeah so they use their fancy spy glasses to track the backpacks with infrared spray i did like the glasses yeah and they miss a brush pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on the one hand, Fury, I get it, because if he's yeah. supposed to be off his game, but Hill missed it too. They all did. Except, here's the question though. Mm-hmm. Was there actually a pass, or did the peop- did she just change? Like, change her appearance? Yeah. Well, she went from having two backpacks to one. Okay, yeah, so there's at least one pass, but there could have been right. two potential passes and they do say here we're watching the bags not the people because the people can change well they screw up both <laughs> yeah. well that's why they have the infrared spray to even if they you know miss the pass they can actually track it so yeah. they all split up uh talos goes after one bag hill goes after another fury finds some high ground mm-hmm. and while he's you know scanning the crowd this creepy girl with a ball approaches. Now, is, she looks similar to one that he saw on his walk the other night. Yeah, and very clearly a scroll. Yeah. Very clearly. The girl shapeshifts into the old man from the bar, and then to a woman, and then finally to Gravik. Mm-hmm. Hill and Talos get to the bags, but they find that they're empty. They were decoys. Mm-hmm. And... As Gravik and Fury have a standoff, all the bombs explode. Yep. Which is, like, a pretty good way to start the series. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. some stakes. And Hill sees Fury and calls out, and he calls out to her, and then shoots her. And it's obviously not really Fury. Well, I thought maybe Hill was the one who wasn't a scroll, yeah. and he somehow figured that out. True. Could have been that, but we but that see the real the Fury a second later, who spots the fake... Mm-hmm. who is actually Gravik, and Hill dies as Fury is pulled away by someone. Oh, if only she died. Sorry, I'm gonna, can I give it away? What? That she's not dead. Why do you think that? Because I was looking on the IMDb page for the tagline and the resurrection, and it says, Colby Spoilers Maria Hill sex episodes. So maybe she gets replaced by a scroll or something. <laughs> uh, well... I've seen, seen the episode next two. episode, uh-huh. and I, I'm I, I'm trying not to say which way. All right, fine. Also, if you're looking at IMDb, IMDb is frequently wrong. Uh huh. All right, because IMDb is user edited, so I don't. I mean, it, I, I'm just. You don't think she's dead? Well, I put it this way: I hope she's dead because finally something with stakes would actually happen uh-huh. in a Marvel TV show. That would be a first, and also, <laughs> okay, you know what. <laughs> 
You just said that you haven't watched most of everything, so... Yeah, but I know what happens. And I've seen four? So it's not like I've seen none. Okay, alright. Anyway, and also Maria Hill, like, come on. She's disposable. She can totally die. Okay. More more Marvel characters need to die. I mean, we just had... Well, not just. Five years ago, we had Iron Man die. I know. I haven't seen Guardians, so I don't actually know if anyone's dead there, but, you know. Yeah, no no comment about that, but Uh there's so many characters in the MCU, and uh, we need to raise the stakes. I say kill them. Okay, (laughs) well, we'll we'll see next week. Are you... Well, all right, so our credits roll with that. Um, Are you planning to watch more of this show? Yes, I am, because for my other podcast, Tuesday Night Gaming, we're going to be doing every episode. Ah, okay, so I, I will be very... I will... I will be listening with great interest to see your reactions. No, oh, that's what brought you back. All right. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't really like a lot of the other stuff you guys were coming there. But let's get back <laughs> to our show. <laughs> yeah, so now it's time for our spy fact versus fiction. All right. What do you got? So we've talked about dirty bombs before. Mm-hmm. So it's just from Wikipedia, just to go over it again, it's a radiological weapon. It combines radioactive material with conventional explosives, and it's designed to contaminate the area around the... the the, the location with radioactive material, and they call it an area denial device against civilians. The idea is if you put one in the middle of a city, it causes all these problems. It doesn't really kill that many people directly. And there also have been multiple attempts by terrorist organizations to get one from Al-Qaeda to Chechen separatists mm-hmm. to a white supremacist guy named James G. Cummings to ISIS and I don't want to say that the movie or the TV show depiction of it is wrong with these giant explosions, but if it was going to be a dirty bomb, they should have talked a little bit more about how, like, our characters should have had, like, masks or something to be, like, ready for that. Right, yeah. Perhaps that's um, in the next episode. I can neither confirm nor deny. All right. And then also on Wikipedia, nuclear power in Russia, they have a lot of plants, but most of them tend to be the ones we know about, at least, tend to be on the western side of the country. In mm. the in the uh, TV episode, it's spread out all across the country, which is not the case. So I've got a few things on what's known as a quick change, because mm-hmm. when we have you know when we have Gravik, you know, or Fury tailing Gravik, it reminded me of in spy shows or movies when you know you'll have someone do a quick change, like they'll reverse a jacket or something like that. Right. Now this is from. Uh, a Wired article about Jonah Mendez, who used to, who was the former master of disguise at CIA, and friend been, of the International Spy Museum. Yes, she is. Yes, the CIA can give the person the ability to do a quick change. If someone knows that they will be trying to shake a tail, they can change their look as they move through busy sidewalks. Add a hat, change a shirt, add sunglasses, and if it's done right, it'll look like someone has disappeared. Mm-hmm. So this is, I, I think, their version of doing that because I liked how when they did this. They didn't show the transformation, you know, they would just go behind, like, say, another person or a, a van or something, and they come pop out the other side. Right. And Jonah Mendez does have a great, I think it is also from Wired, a video where she, like, actually judges a bunch of quick changes in movies and TV oh, shows. And one it's of those classic of viral videos. Navy SEAL reacts to exactly, yeah. movie. But I mean, hers is really, I mean, she's she's got the real world experience and she judges, it's I think one of the funniest ones she judges actually from like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie by, directed by Michael mm. Bay with Megan Fox. Oh, and she that judges one. in such a pretty good, you know, quick change that happens. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, that's what I've got for Spy Fact versus Spy Fiction. All right, so now it's time for our favorite quotes. Do you have any? I've got a few. Okay, I'll go first because I have a couple. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, they're from Dick Fury. Okay. He says, everybody gets one lie, nobody gets two. But then the guy tells him to. I guess he ends up dead. So yep. there you go. And then someone asks him, what did you get for your midlife crisis? And he said, the Avengers. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I've got a few. So a lot of these are actually from uh, Sonia Fallsworth. Mm-hmm. Well, this one's from Talos. He says, you're going to for a walk in Moscow at night? Well, you're going to stand out. <laughs> Yeah. From Sonia. Let's see. Large black man, Moscow. It could either be Nick Fury or the ghost of Paul Robeson. Yeah, who's Paul Robeson? He is... Oh, I guess he's some kind of singer. Because It's only involving music, right? No. Oh, I thought she said oh, actually, no, like Yeah, he is a singer. Okay. Uh, Paul Robeson, American bass baritone concert artist and film actor and professional football player and activist. Wow. Actually, if you watch the... One of the later episodes, I think it may even be, the, not the second to the last, but uh, of the Indiana Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, he appears mm-hmm. because oh, of as course young, No, I mean a, someone appears as Paul oh, Robeson okay. because you know Young Indiana Jones is the you know Forrest Gump of the you know turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Uh, also from Sonia, were you a lot extraordinary? You usually only scratch the surface of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And I've got last one. How do you think we kept the Cold War from getting hot? Spooks like me buying shots. I feel like uh, that's something they've talked about a lot in other spy movies, where every character you meet has credits credit us credits themselves for not uh, letting the, the U.S. War. and Russia go to nuclear war. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, and now we are on to our ratings. Yeah, one being Avengers nineteen ninety eight. 10 being even better than Taken or No Time to Die. How do we rate episode one of Marvel's Secret Invasion? Why don't you go first this time? I feel like I always go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like to end on a higher note, so I go for glass <laughs> usually. No. Um, ah. So I I really enjoy this. Um, I'm trying to judge this as just the first episode and not the second episode, which... Is it improvement? It is. a. It, I mean, it, it's re- it gets really good in the second episode but i did like the first episode i'm gonna give this a seven out of uh, ten martinis i mean i think it's a good way to start it's a good lead in you have that you know shock of oh that you know bombs actually explode and maria hill dies Mm. um but i i would say if you enjoy it if you enjoyed or even only slightly enjoyed this first episode keep watching because the second episode is where things really start to happen all right so for me this was not bad. Okay. It was just okay. Okay. Classic Marvel MCU TV show. It was all right. Okay. And? It, you know, it was actually, I would say, better than average. Like, even the dialogue scenes kind of kept things moving. Samuel L. Jackson helped a lot. The stuff at the end was pretty good. And I'm feeling generous today. So I will give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. I will say, I mean, what I appreciated about this show and... I feel like I told this to you know our friends at the Spy Museum uh, that was on their store Instagram stories is that for a show about an alien invasion, it's surprisingly grounded and down to earth. No pun intended. Well, there have been shows like that before, right? Like V. Yeah. Serious so, so old sci-fi show V. Like yeah, they had UFOs in the sky, but it was still a lot of like secret stuff moving mm-hmm. around. But I mean, and also for a Marvel show too, you know, you don't you don't have. 
I mean, other than the Skrulls, you don't have, you know, the Avengers bursting in. You don't have a lot of people with powers. You just really have this shape-shifting ability of really going into that, you know, spy world feel of who can you trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. Like, you know, that even though there are aliens, they're still using intelligence techniques like, you know, recruiting disaffected youths, using your quick change abilities. Yeah, I liked it. Very uh, difficult people to defeat. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for our Dead Drop episode. You can find us on social media at The SpyFi Guys, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find our merch store at redbubble.com. Until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And we are The SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to The SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.